Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Now podcast. At Calvary, our mission is to set people's hope in God and engage in the mission of God. To ring in the new year, we're talking about reading and being rooted in the scripture, as well as a new Bible reading resource for our church family. Well, amen. Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see you here on this New Year's Eve. It is so good to gather, to sing God's praises, to hear his word, to have fellowship with his people. What a great privilege that is. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary, and I'm really excited to have the chance to uh, share God's word with you this morning here on New Year's Eve. And so I'll take this chance to wish you a Merry Christmas and uh, a Happy New Year. Um, I hope that your week has been full of fun and laughter and presents and football and beef tenderloin and all the good things that Christmas brings. Um, And I'm really glad to see you uh, here this morning. I know that for me and my family, I've just enjoyed so much having the chance to worship throughout the month of December on like all these holidays. We began our Advent series or Advent service on at the first of the year with our night of worship and then Christmas Eve last week and now on New Year's Eve. It is just so good and fitting and right uh, to celebrate and worship the Lord uh, during these holidays, right? We recognize that God is our source of life. He is all that is good. All that we have comes from him and all that we enjoy is because of his goodness. He's our comfort and our hope as we look into the future, as we look back on 2023, recognizing all that he's done and then looking ahead to a new year. You know, I've been just thinking, church, like God has been so good to Calvary in 2023. We have seen his blessing. We've seen growth. We're seeing baptisms and lives changed and churches planted. And I'm just so excited to see what God is going to do in this next year. And if you're here this morning and if you're a guest with us, we're really glad that you're here today. We'd love for you to think about and explore maybe what it looks like to be a part of Calvary as your church family. If you wanna learn more about that, we've got a great opportunity for you to do that. Next Sunday, uh, up in our connector, we'll have a Discover Calvary uh, event, which is a time for you to meet some of our staff and and ask some questions and, and hopefully get connected to some of the ministries we have at our church. But we're really glad that you're here. Well, Christmas is over, and I know that this week we'll pull the decorations down around the church, which is always, I think, kind of a, a sad time. I know that some of you will, you'll be the person that like keeps the lights on into February, uh, but that's not us. We pull, the, we pull the tree down and the stockings down probably this week, and um, you know, the Advent calendar has to go back into the box, the NC State Christmas Santa that is inflatably decorated in your yard probably needs to come down for a couple of reasons, right? It's a chance for us to to go back to reality. It's back to work. It's back to school. uh, it's, It's back to normal. And this time of year, as we come to the end of one year and the beginning of another, it's a really good time for us to reevaluate and reestablish some of the most important habits and rhythms in our lives. And while that's certainly true for our schedules and our home decor and our diets and all those things, I think the same thing should be true for our spiritual lives as well. It's a great time for us to ask, what are the spiritual rhythms that we want to establish and maintain in 2024? 
How are you gonna put yourself in a position to enjoy God, to receive his grace, to, to battle sin, to have a heart that is happy in Jesus, to endure hardship? What are you going to do? My family was talking about this some this past week. You know, we've been using uh, the Advent devotional, the Advent blocks throughout the Advent season. And it's been such a wonderful thing for us. We've got them up on like the window in our kitchen. And we've just loved having this reminder that we've celebrated all throughout the Advent season, that God is with us, that he has drawn near to us in Christ, that, that he has not left us alone, but that he has spoken and that he has come to us. And even as Christmas ends, we need to remember, we need to especially remember that all of these things are still true. God is still with us. Even though the angels may not be in the sky, even though Jesus is not in the manger, even though Jesus is actually no longer walking the earth, friends, God is still with us and his voice can still be heard. Every time that we open his word, we have a chance to hear his voice. And that's what we're gonna spend our time talking about together this morning. We're gonna take a moment and I'm gonna encourage you from the scriptures to think about the place that God's word has in your life. What is the role that the Bible has in your life? And even though Christmas is over, God is still with us. He is still speaking and he is speaking through his word. And friends, these are words that we need. We need to hear from God. So I wanna encourage you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four, which is the temptation of Jesus. We're just gonna read four verses and then we're gonna focus on just one of those verses. But I'd love for you to, uh, to turn or tap there and we'll have these words up on the screen for you as well. Hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's pray that God would bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Oh God, as we come to you again this morning, we come with hearts that are full of joy as we sing your praises, as we look at your greatness, as we consider all that you have done, and now we want to hear from you. So Father, I pray that you would get me out of the way in that task that you would speak, you know what your people need and they don't need to hear from man. So Father, let my words fall to the ground. Let them blow away and be forgotten. Let just your word be heard and let it remain and let it bear much fruit. Accomplish the purpose for these words this morning, we pray. It's in Christ's name we ask this, amen. Well, this, these words are coming from what is known as the temptation of Jesus. It's a well-known passage in the scripture, and it's a story that you may or may not be familiar with. And we're just gonna look at one part of it. It's a time where Jesus goes into the wilderness and experiences several different temptations from Satan. 
But what we're going to think about this morning is to focus our attention on just verse 4 as we think about what does it look like for the word of God to live in us? What does it look like to live on the words of God? Now, this account comes to us at the very beginning or the front end of Jesus's ministry. We as readers are just getting to know Jesus. We're just getting a chance to learn what he's like. And here he is on, coming on the scene. And especially in these three temptations, Jesus is showing that he is man. He's going out of his way to show his humanity, that he knows what it's like to be a man because Jesus is man, fully God and fully man. One of the ways he does this is by identifying with his special people, Israel, in the way that they went into the wilderness and experienced hunger and temptation. You might remember this story, but there's some really deliberate passages, that, some really deliberate connections that we should be aware of. For example, Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days. Israel went into the wilderness for 40 years. When Jesus went into the wilderness, he fasted for 40 days, and so he was really hungry. Well, when Israel went into the wilderness, the wilderness is a place without food. So they too were hungry. And just like Jesus was tempted in this moment of fasting in the wilderness, so too Israel was tested. And the Bible calls their time in the wilderness a period of testing. Jesus knows what it's like to struggle. He knows what it's like to be hungry and he knows what it's like to be tempted. But where Jesus is different than Israel and where Jesus is different from you and me is that Jesus in his time of testing did not give in to sin. While Israel succumbed to their appetites and, and sinned in the wilderness, Jesus succeeded because he depended on God. He lived on his word and trusted him to fill the appetite and the longings of his heart. You see, that's one of the great things about Jesus, that when we look at him, we, we learn what God is like. And that's amazing and that's incredible for us. But we also have a chance to learn what man is like or what man was meant to be, to see what God intended for humanity to be. We, we look at Jesus and see a man that is fully alive and happy. And here we learn that true life for humanity comes by depending on the words of God. I think to really appreciate this lesson, and this is really just meditating on this passage, to really appreciate this lesson, we should recognize that to be human is to be hungry, right? To be human is to be hungry. And what I mean by that is that all of us as a part of our humanity regularly experience emptiness. We regularly experience an emptiness that, that needs to be filled. And in this passage, we see that that hunger shows up in two different ways. It's not just physical, but it's spiritual as well. But it most certainly is physical. Jesus fasted, the Bible says, and so he was hungry. Right? That teaches us that God made humans to be dependent creatures, that he's made us in such a way that we have very physical and practical limitations and needs. Our bodies need food 
to survive and to thrive. Or we have to have food, at nourishing food, at regular ongoing intervals, or we will quite literally waste away and die. Hunger is actually created and designed by God. It's this, it's this God-given alarm system that we need something, that we need food. It's our body's cry for help. It's a, it leads us to the thing that will help us survive and thrive. And what's really interesting to me is that Jesus as fully man doesn't discount these needs, the practical, regular, ongoing needs that we have as humans. Jesus encourages us to pray for our daily bread. And in this passage, he says that man does not live by bread alone, which is acknowledging that man lives in part by bread, right? That we have needs. And when, when the Bible's talking about, about bread, it's like the staple food. It's the most common, most readily available food that there is. So man needs bread, but he also needs something else. He needs words from God. There's another kind of hunger that we see in this text. It's a spiritual hunger. In the same way that our bodies need food to survive and thrive, church family, our souls need spiritual food to survive and thrive. Just as God made our bodies to need daily nourishment, God has created you with a heart, with an inner being that needs daily spiritual nourishment. God has made you like this just as much as you need food, if not more. We need God. God has made each of us spiritual creatures. We are made in the image of God, which means that we have in us a natural desire and a hunger for the eternal creator. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter three, that he has put into the hearts of every man eternity. Jesus said in John chapter 15 that he is the vine and you and I are like branches, constantly needing nourishment, needing to be connected to God for vitality and life and health. Friends, we were made for more than food. We were made for more than the physical. We were made to live forever, to enjoy, to feast upon God's goodness. That's what we were made for. The problem is, is that all of us struggle at times with forgetting. We forget about the spiritual hunger and tend to focus more on our physical appetites than on our spiritual need for God, right? Like we all understand, it's pretty easy to understand our, our physical problems of hunger, right? Even newborns, and, and we know how to fix it. Like, especially in America, we are so good at solving food problems. Have you ever noticed this? I mean, there's so many different ways to do it. And so we often organize our lives. We organize our schedules around our appetite, around our need for bread. Meals are just that thing that we, we just make time for it, right? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, how often do you forget to eat? Okay, now I know that there are some of you... Some of you out here who like actually do forget to eat and I do not understand you. There's not been one moment in my life that I forgot to eat. I told the first service, when I forget to eat, it means that I forgot that I already ate breakfast and I eat a second breakfast, like a hobbit, right? That's, that's how I forget to eat. 
We are so in tune with our bodies and our, and our appetites that we are, we've gotten really skilled and proficient at satisfying them. Y'all, on Christmas, on Christmas Day, I ate blueberry-covered goat cheese. Before I ate rosemary-infused parsnips, before I ate salmon, before I ate beef tenderloin, tenderloin, before I ate hummingbird cake. That was lunch. Then I went to dinner at my mother-in-law's and I did it again, right? Like we are really good at, at feeding ourselves, at eating. And y'all, I think that's good. God is good and has been so kind to give us food. He made, it, he made food to enjoy and food to be a delight. The problem is, is that because of sin, our appetites get dysfunctional. They get disordered. I'm hypersensitive to my hunger. I can tell when I need food hours before I actually need food. And then I know 10,000 different ways to solve that hunger problem. But think about this. Sometimes we might go for days or even weeks without dining with God. And then we wonder why we feel so empty and so hungry inside. We're experts at recognizing our need for food, but hardly recognize our hunger and our need for God. Sin has tricked us into thinking that food and sleep and pleasure are more essential for a happy life and a healthy life than God. And that's wrong. We're tempted, all of us, to prioritize our physical needs above our spiritual needs. And in fact, our culture has gone wild with this, building, its, building our entire culture around satisfying our appetites, our comforts, our, our desires for pleasure and power, and we've made that the very center of our lives. So that's, and humans struggle with that. That's what Paul said in Philippians chapter three, describing those who don't know God, that their God is their bellies and they don't seek heavenly things. Their minds are set on earthly things. But I think we all struggle with this in some way, don't we? We all struggle with focusing on the wrong thing. And I think that deep down, this is why so many of us from time to time experience such a deep spiritual dissatisfaction in our lives. And it's because we're hungry. It's because we're starving. We're starving and we don't even know it. We are living on these little bite-sized morsels of ultra-processed spiritual food. Maybe we come to a good meal on Sunday, but we try to go throughout the week just on getting little nibbles and little snacks. And so we're starving. We don't have the energy and the resources that we need to fight sin, to live on mission and to engage with difficult people and to love. God's people, I think, struggled with this too. If you read the story of Israel, they struggled with this very problem. Whether they were in Egypt, which was a land of plenty, a land of meat and onions, or whether they were in Canaan, which was the land flowing with milk and honey, that when they had a lot around them, they struggled to remember God. And so God took them into the wilderness, into a place with no food and intentionally put them into a desperate situation just so they would learn to depend upon God. Do you remember this story? I've got one verse for you up on the screen. Moses reminded the people of Israel, 
when they were coming to the end of their journey through the wilderness, he said, and God humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. And look what he says, so that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but that man lives on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. It's a lesson that they needed to learn. And it's a lesson that we need to learn. Friends, God wants us to understand what Jesus understood and showed so perfectly. Our greatest need is not physical food for our bodies. Our greatest need is spiritual food for our souls. And what's so encouraging is that this passage reminds us that, that God meets that need. He gives bread for our bodies, praise God, and he gives words for the soul. Bread for the body and words for the soul. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on what? On every word that comes from the mouth of God. Friends, God has given the Bible for your soul. One of my main prayers today is I've been praying for this service and, and thinking about this. One of my main prayers is that God would work during this time to, to change the way that we see the Bible, that we would see it primarily not as like a burdensome thing to, to like do or a checklist to mark off, but that God would help us see the Bible as an invitation to dine with him an invitation to enjoy a meal with him. If God's, words, if God's words are food for the soul, then that's how we can think about the Bible as an invitation to sit down and have a meal together. Now, I, I get this just by meditating on the ideas in this passage. And so as, as we think about this, let me kind of phrase it like this. Let's, let's, let's think about three different, let's, let's call them three reminders about the Bible and then three different ways that we can pray in light of those things. Okay, so let's think about it like this. First of all, God's word is an invitation for a relationship. God's words are an invitation for relationship. That's how words work, right? Words are self-disclosure. They're, they are sharing ourself. When we speak, we're revealing ourselves. We're sharing our hearts and our ideas and our perspective. And so when God speaks... That's what he's doing. And it's because he wants you to know him. Our words reveal what is important to us, what we like, what we don't like, what we love, what we hate, what we think about. When we share words with someone else, we're disclosing ourselves to them. We want them to know. Church family, shouldn't we see the Bible like that? Shouldn't we see the Bible as a personal invitation from God for you to come discover what he's like, to come enjoy a relationship with him? The Bible's like God asking you to dinner. And it's a time where, yeah, you'll get nourishment, but more than that, you're gonna meet a person. You're gonna get to enjoy and build a relationship with a person. So if the Bible is an invitation, if we can come to see these words as an invitation to enjoy a relationship with God, shouldn't that affect how we read it? Shouldn't that affect what we mean when we say we study it? So let me encourage you. When you sit down to open your Bible, whether it's this afternoon, whether it's tonight, whether it's tomorrow morning, 
What if you prayed this prayer? God, I want to know you. That as I read, I want to know you. And then as you read, read to know God. That's different than reading to know stuff, right? This can really transform how we approach the Bible. It can be tempting to read the Bible and all of a sudden you've learned a ton of stuff about Israel and like unleavened bread and circumcision and like geography, but you don't really know God himself. Well, this encourages us to know and pursue God. It encourages you to read the Bible to enjoy God. Instead of reading the Bible to check a box, it encourages you to pursue a person. Instead of reading the Bible to feel good about yourself, right? Like, cause I'm the kind of guy that reads the Bible every day. What this actually encourages me to do is to lift my eyes off myself and to put them on Jesus, to see his beauty and his glory and to gaze upon him. So let me encourage you to pray that prayer every time you read. God, I want to know you and then to read to that end. But we should also remember that when we come to the Bible to dine with God, it's actually God who prepares the meal. It's God who prepares the meal. And here's what I mean by that. When we come to the Bible, we're coming to the table on his terms. God is the one who's speaking. These are his words. These are his book. This is his book. He decides what to say and he decided what we need. And I say that because I don't know about you, but for me, there's been a lot of times, maybe even sometime, maybe even this week, where my experience with the Bible, it can feel very overwhelming, right? It can, it can be intimidating. It, you know, it's, it's big, right? Let's, it's a huge old book that's written in three different languages, written to like different people and different cultures. And like, there's all these gaps. It's got all kinds of stuff in it. It's got history. It's got poetry. It's got apocalyptic literature. It's got letters to other people. Like it can be kind of overwhelming and foreign sometimes. And I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, it can be tempting to just stick to the stuff I know, to stick to like the Instagram Bible like Psalm 23, Philippians 2, uh, like John 3, 16, like the really familiar stuff that we are easily pull, you know, nourishment out of. But I say this because it's good for us to remember that these are God's words, all of them, which means that they are all useful and nourishing to us. The other day I was talking with a friend and made the comment that the Bible kind of reminds me of, a, of the Cheesecake Factory menu right? Have you, you know what I'm talking about? Um, you know, everybody goes to the Cheesecake Factory for one reason, and that's dessert, hopefully, right? And we go because we want something fun. We want something sweet. So after we wait for two and a half hours, and if you get a table, you sit down and the waiter hands you this 40-page menu. Have you had that thing? It's like got this hefty like binding on it, and you open it up and you've got 250 different entrees, cuisines from all over the world, all this stuff to try. And it's totally overwhelming, right? Here I am, I just wanna eat some cheesecake and I'm looking at 45 different variety of salad, right? That's what happens so often and it, it can be overwhelming. Now the cheesecake menu is incredible. Like that's one of the reasons that it is so, it's such a successful restaurant is how incredible the menu is but it can be overwhelming. 
For me, I shut down and I just like order what's, what I know. I'm like, well, I don't know how to pick through all these things, so I'm not gonna order a shepherd's pie. That seems strange, even though the Wall Street Journal said it was great. I'm just gonna order what I know, and that's like a burger or a chicken sandwich or, or something like that. You see, I think the Bible can be kind of like the Cheesecake Factory menu. It's huge, it's overwhelming, some of it's a little strange, but here's the thing, like it's all good. The Bible is full of God's words and all of them are good. All of them are useful. All of them are nourishing. And so when I sit down with the Bible each day, I don't need to worry primarily on like where, where I'm reading, what I'm reading. Like it's not so much that. I just need to focus on the Bible, knowing that it's good. I need to put myself in a position that says, hey, I'm ready to receive your words. Whatever's for dinner, that's what I want to eat. Sometimes that means that we need to expand our palate and try things that are new to venture outside of our comfort zones, to venture into the prophets or venture into revelation or, or spend some time in the histories where we may not be as comfortable. Friends, I think this can have a big impact on our Bible reading. When, when I recognize that like God knows what's best for me, then that changes how I approach the Bible. And so if we've already prayed, God, I want to know you, now we can add a second prayer that says, God, you know what I need. You know what I need. And I wanna have a posture of humility that puts myself under your word. And so suddenly I'm gonna be reading more broadly I'm gonna be reading more carefully with more expectation. I'm gonna read with an open mind. I'm gonna be really concerned with like getting the words right and understanding what the text says. When I come across stuff that is foreign or strange, I'm gonna assume that it's important and I need to learn about it and seek to understand it. I'm gonna pray, God, you know what I need. Conform me to your word. Just the other day I sat down, I was reading this is, my, this is my time with the Lord. And I had some stuff that was really heavy on my heart. And I opened to a part in Psalms and reading about David wanting to smash his enemies, right? And I'm like, God, what are you, like, right? have you had that experience? But what I needed to do is say, God, you know what I need. And as I lingered, as I stayed there, my heart was nourished. And I saw a God that was just and a God who cares about my circumstances. So pray that with me. God, you know what I need. A third truth that we need to remember is that we need God's words every day, that we have a daily need. I think one of the primary reasons the Bible is compared to bread is that we have, a, it's a common food and that we have this regular ongoing need. Just like we need food every day, we need God's words every day. You remember how God provided manna for his people Israel in the wilderness. That it was that miracle bread that they would go and gather each morning. God intentionally set up a system so that his people would have to depend on God every day. Every morning, if they wanted to eat, they'd have to wake up and they'd have to gather manna for that day. They couldn't store it. They couldn't use last week's manna. They couldn't live off last week's meal. They had to wake up look to God every day and functionally say, God, I need you. You see, God had intentionally created a rhythm that was designed to help his people learn this truth that we so often forget. 
that if God doesn't feed me today, I'm going to be hungry. If God doesn't feed me today, I'm going to be hungry. And so suddenly the desire becomes, when can I be with God? When can I get time with his word? Because reading isn't primarily knowing about stuff. Reading becomes pleading, God, I want to know you. And if you don't meet me here in your word, then I'm gonna starve. So I don't wanna let go until you bless me. Calvary family, the more we come to recognize that the longings of our hearts can only be satisfied with God, the more diligent, the more persistent, the more patient we're gonna be as we go to God's word day after day, again after again, not to check a box, but to receive a blessing. And so if we've already prayed, God, I want to know you and God, you know what I need. Now we're praying, God, here I am again. Here I am again. It's an attitude of persistence, of pursuit that says, I'm gonna be here today and if you help me, I'll be here tomorrow and I must keep coming back because as Peter said, where else would I go? You have the words of life. One of the things I'm most excited about in Calvary's discipleship plan for the 2024 year is the introduction of a new Calvary Bible reading plan. I'm super excited about this. We've been working on it for a while and we're, gonna, we're trying to put it in your hands today. Um, you know, and as you leave, you'll have a chance to uh, pick up one of these cards out in the lobby with more information about this reading plan. We've got cards for adults, cards for students, and cards for, for kids. And so we'd love for you to get that on the way out of the service. But before I tell you more about the plan, I wanna maybe preface it with this. I don't know what your experience has been like with a Bible reading plan. Maybe some of you have, have tried it before. Maybe you've done Bible recap or you know, four chapters a day or, some, or something like that. And this is a little bit different than maybe some of the plans you've encountered in the past. A lot of plans, they focus on completion, right? Like the goal is to get through it. You start at point A, you go to point B, and we hope you don't get lost in Leviticus. That's what tends to happen a lot. But this isn't really that kind of plan. It's more of a schedule. It's more of, it's more of the, a Bible reading schedule that's kind of always running in the background of the life of our church, which means that you can jump in wherever you want. It doesn't matter if we lose you in February, you can jump back in in March and you don't have to catch up in February. This is fine. It's just something you can always jump in on. So let me give you a couple of tips for reading and using this sort of plan, all right? First of all, let me encourage you that as you read to focus on today. What I love about this is that you can wake up, look at your phone, see what the day is, look at your calendar and you can just see whatever the passage is for the day. Just read that reading for the day. If you miss it, if you miss a day, just skip it. All right, let me say it again. If you miss a day, just skip it. Like it's fine. You don't have to go back and read. There's no boxes to check. Just pick up with today's reading. You see, the focus of this plan is not completion. The focus of this plan is to engage God's word through the reading for that day. And here's what I love about this. It means that every time that you read on schedule, you're gonna be reading alongside hundreds and hundreds of, of your family members in our church. 
which means we'll have all sorts of opportunities to overlap and to hear God's word in the same way. So um, focus on today. A second tip I'd give you is to be flexible. Now, we recognize that there are different seasons of life and we all have different demands on our time. So we've tried to create a plan that has multiple entry points and is flexible for whatever season of life that you're in. I'm gonna put up a sample of the schedule up on the screen. This is just a week. And you'll see that each weekday, Monday through Friday, there's two different readings. There's a New Testament chapter and then there's an Old Testament chapter. And then on Saturday, there's a single chapter of Psalms. And then on Sunday, we gather to hear God's word together. So you can take that off uh, if you like. And so what I'd encourage you to do is depending on the time that you have, when you wake up, jump in and read one of the chapters. If you have time, you know, try to get to the New Testament chapter. And if you've got time, then read the Old Testament chapter. Maybe if you are struggling or maybe you're, you know, like you're really just trying to find a simple entryway, let me encourage you at least to read the weekly psalm, which means that as we come to worship each Sunday, we're gonna have heard God say the same thing in his word, which is really encouraging. Um, some days you may have time to go deeper with some of the devotional questions that we've created. I'll put some of those up on the screen, but we want you to understand we've given you some questions, not because you have to go answer them all. You don't have to fill them out. You don't have to like email your answers. These are just designed to help you ask good questions about what you're reading. One of my favorite questions is this question about gospel. That wherever you're reading, you pause and you ask the question, based on this passage, how should I be thankful for the good news of Jesus? And what this does is that it helps you, no matter where you're reading, whether it's Leviticus or Song of Solomon or Revelation, it helps you remember that all of the Bible is about Jesus. And that the whole point of the Bible and the whole point of the, the gospel is to show us that Jesus has come to make a way for us to have a right relationship with God. And all the Bible is about that. And so you'll start to look and notice and see hints and traces and shadows of Jesus all throughout the Bible. Maybe you just use one of these questions, maybe you use them all. We just want you to know that they're there as, uh, as options. Uh, I know that for my family, we're gonna try to read uh, the New Testament passage at night and then just work through one question uh, each weeknight is our goal. But we'd also encourage you to use the plan to deepen relationships. This is another way that the schedule is a little bit different. Of course, we want it to help you deepen your relationship with God. That's certainly true. And we trust the plan will give you structure and encouragement for that. But we also are hoping that you'll use it to deepen your relationship with other people, whether that's a discipleship relationship, whether that's in the context of your home, wherever you find someone else who's reading, you have the opportunity to have an immediate connection point to talk about spiritual things. And that's really encouraging. So we hope it'll be a discipleship tool for your families, for your small groups, for your discipleship efforts, for your evangelism, for whatever, uh, whatever you're doing. You know, I'm gonna encourage my small group to use this together so we'll have uh, the chance to talk about the things of the Lord in a more intimate and a, in a quicker sort of way. But we want you to have this tool to, uh, to encourage you to feast and to dine with God not primarily to check off boxes, not to feel better about yourself. That's really not the goal. 
Instead, we wanna encourage you to make 2024 the year that you enjoy Jesus more than ever. Our prayer would be that 2024 would be the most Bible-saturated year of your life and you would enjoy God in a whole new and deeper way. We hope that this plan will give you the tools to do that in a way that fits your life. And we've heard God's word proclaimed this morning. We've heard that Jesus has reminded us that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So as we move into a time of response this morning, I wanna encourage you to just take a moment to bow your head and to take a few moments and just think, where are you at in your relationship with the Bible? Take a moment to just honestly evaluate your Bible intake and to, and to, and to, to tell the Lord, what is your relationship with him like? Are you feasting with God? Are you enjoying a steady diet of his word day after day or week after week that allow you to enjoy a relationship with him? Or maybe you feel like you're really hungry or maybe even starving. Make today a day that you ask God to help you enjoy his word more. Take a moment, no matter where you're at, to, to ask God to help you. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, I hear all this, but I just don't really wanna read the Bible. You can tell God, he already knows and ask him for help. He loves to help his people know him. You can turn to him. Maybe you're here today and you don't really know what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're interested, maybe you're curious and maybe you've dabbled with the Bible some, but you're not really sure what to do. Well, I'd encourage you as well, ask him to reveal himself to you. He would love to do that. And then go ask someone around after their service, we'll have people coming up here at the front who would love to have a conversation about what it means to walk with Jesus and to know him. And no matter who you are, no matter what your Bible reading is like, let me encourage you to plan to take your next step. You don't have to compare yourself to others. You don't have to compare yourself to the ideal, but maybe ask God to help you make some decisions. What should you do next to grow in your Bible reading? Maybe it's make a plan for the week. Maybe it's picking up a schedule on the way out the door. Maybe it's having a conversation with someone in your small group. Maybe it's asking someone to read alongside with you. Whatever it is, church family, we can have the confidence that as we take steps to put ourselves in a position to be blessed by God, we can expect him to bless us because he's kind, because he's gracious, because he's revealed himself to us. Father, we pray that your word would go forth in this room and that you would work in our hearts, helping us see more and more how we need you. And would you meet us as we turn to you in your word day after day? We ask this in Christ's name. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Now podcast. We desire that Calvary would be a place of belonging and hope where no one wants to live. If you're not already, we would love for you to join us in person at either of our campuses on Sunday mornings at 9 or 1030. For more information, visit us at calvarynow.com.